Welcome to a special Platinum Jubilee episode of the Annick Castle podcast. I'm your host Daniel Watkins, and on today's episode, I'll be marking this royal occasion by taking you through some of the ways Annick Castle's history has been linked to that of the British monarchy, from the medieval kings of England and Scotland to the modern day. I'll be joined once again by Jenny, Hello. who will be introducing a few of the key kings and queens in the story, and providing a couple of quotations too. Let's get started. I hope you enjoy. William I reigned in England 1066 to 1087. We know that William I, also known as William the Conqueror, granted land in Yorkshire to the Percy family, hundreds of years before they purchased Annick Castle in 1309. Recent research, using a 15th century document held in the Castle archives, has led Annick Castle's archivist to suggest that the granddaughter of Gisbright Tyson, the lord of the fortress or settlement that probably stood on the castle site before its construction, may have been married to Ivo de Vesci. As a result, he was the first Norman baron of Annick after King William's conquest of England in 1066, and that marriage would likely have been on the orders of the king. The castle archivist will be our special guest on the next episode of the podcast. Ivo's daughter Beatrix married Eustace Fitzjohn, the next Baron of Annick, who became wealthy and influential in the service of King Henry I, the youngest son of William I. Eustace commanded the service of twelve knights in Annick, who could be provided to the king if needed. He was Sheriff of Northumberland at the end of Henry I's reign in 1135, and supported the king's daughter, the Empress Matilda, during the civil war that began after Henry's death. Eustace joined forces with Matilda's uncle, King David I of Scotland, and even surrendered Annick Castle to him in 1138, but their combined Scottish and Northumbrian army was defeated in battle that same year. William the Lion reigned in Scotland 1165 to 1214. William the Lion made several attempts to gain land in Northumberland during his long reign as King of Scotland, but was captured just outside the walls of Annick Castle in 1174 and imprisoned. William was made to swear fealty or loyalty to King Henry II of England and had to sign a treaty that accepted Henry II as overlord of Scotland. The treaty remained in force for around 15 years until Richard I of England, better known as Richard the Lionheart, agreed to terminate it in exchange for money he needed to fund the Third Crusade. When King John succeeded to the English throne in 1199, William the Lion noted John's unpopularity and again laid claim to Northumberland. During the long period of negotiation that followed, John stayed at Annick Castle on multiple occasions while touring his northern borders. By 1209, a treaty had been agreed, and William's son Alexander, later King Alexander II of Scotland, paid homage to John at Annick. As Northumberland came more into English power in the 12th and 13th centuries, the political independence the De Vesci lords had enjoyed began to be threatened. When a group of barons revolted against King John, the second Eustace de Vesci was a leader, with various reasons for his hostility to the king, 
1213, John visited Anak again, and later that year, a royal command was issued for the slighting of Anak Castle, which would have damaged its military usefulness significantly. It seems he must have cancelled the command, however, as Anak Castle remained standing. Eustace was present when John agreed to the Magna Carta in 1215, as was the Percy Baron of the time. The king's unwillingness to abide by this charter led to war, and Eustace was one of the northern barons who joined Alexander II to fight John. John's mercenary soldiers were sent to pursue the northern barons, and the town of Anak was burned. Eustace's part in the war ended in October 1216, when he was killed by a crossbow bolt while besieging Barnard Castle. Nearly 50 years later, the Deveshis again sided against the English king during the Second Baron's War. Anak Castle was confiscated, seized by force, and then besieged by Edward, the son of King Henry III. John Deveshi had to surrender unconditionally, but was pardoned and restored to his estates after paying a large fine. When Edward became King Edward I in 1272, Deveshi became his secretary, counsellor and friend. Edward I visited Anak Castle several times at the end of the 13th century. Henry de Percy, who would be the first Percy Lord of Anak after the 1309 purchase, had fought many battles for Edward in his attempts to conquer Scotland, and was granted forfeited lands there as reward for his support. He was also a member of the King's Council. The King died in 1307, and so the purchase of Anak Castle and Barony was confirmed by his son, Edward II, who made visits to the castle in 1311 and again in 1322. When hostilities against Scotland resumed in the 1320s, the second Lord Percy of Anak was given an order to fortify and provision Anak Castle and to guard the northeastern part of the border between the two kingdoms. A decade or two later, he had a stone carving of King Edward III's royal heraldry placed on the inner gatehouse of Anak Castle. Richard II reigned in England 1377 to 1399. In 1377, the year that 10-year-old Richard was crowned, the fourth Lord Percy of Anak was elevated to the title of Earl of Northumberland, and his son, soon to be known as Harry Hotspur, was knighted. Richard's reign ended when he was deposed and replaced on the throne by Henry IV, who was also well known to the Percys. He and Hotspur had both been at a famous tournament in France in 1391. The Earl, his brother Thomas and Hotspur all played a role in the fate of Richard II, and they all stood to gain from his removal in 1399. These gains were short-lived, however, as just four years after Henry IV took the throne, Hotspur led a rebellion against him. He was killed at the Battle of Shrewsbury in 1403, and the Earl, not present at the battle, surrendered to the King. He was pardoned, but in 1405, he rebelled too. Henry IV went north with an army, but Anak Castle refused to surrender. At first. When it did, the Earl of Northumberland sought refuge in Scotland. Hotspur's son, later to become second earl, was also living in exile in Scotland around this time. He was kept safe from Henry in the court of King Robert III, 
and made friends with Robert's son, the future James I of Scotland. The rebellious first Earl of Northumberland was killed in battle in 1408. Henry V restored the earldom to Hotspur's son. The second Earl was killed in battle in 1455, fighting for Henry VI in the first phase of the Wars of the Roses. When Edward IV took the throne after the Battle of Towton in 1461, Henry VI and the House of Lancaster looked for help from Scotland. Henry's queen, Margaret of Anjou, soon landed in Northumberland with a group of French mercenaries and openly allied with Scotland. She laid siege to Annick Castle and it soon surrendered. Edward IV marched north in response with a large army and Margaret left for Scotland, leaving a small French garrison of around 300 soldiers at Annick. Before long, it was under siege from Edward's kingmaker, the Earl of Warwick. When a Scottish army surprised the besiegers and allowed the soldiers to evacuate the castle, it was abandoned to Warwick. Within a few months, it was surrendered again to the Lancastrians. This in turn only lasted a year before Annick once again surrendered to Warwick. You'll hear more about Annick Castle's part in the Wars of the Roses in a future episode of the podcast. When the 4th Earl of Northumberland returned from prison, where he'd been held since his father's death at Towton, he had become a supporter of King Edward and the House of York. Edward's brother Richard worked alongside the 4th Earl in northern matters, and the Earl remained allied to him when he took the throne as Richard III in 1483. At least, he did until partway through the Battle of Bosworth two years later. The Earl did not commit his forces to the battle, Richard was killed, and Henry VII became king. Four years later, the Earl was dead too. The Tudors reigned in England 1485 to 1603. Henry VII, the founder of the Tudor dynasty, had arranged for his daughter Margaret to be married to King James IV of Scotland, and the 5th Earl of Northumberland was given charge of escorting Margaret through the north of England providing entertainment for her in the parkland around Annick Castle. The Earl continued his service to the Tudor kings after Henry VIII's reign began in 1509. He accompanied Henry on campaign in France in 1513. While they were away, Annick Castle was used in preparations for the Battle of Flodden, where James IV was killed. Seven years later, the Earl joined the English king in France again, this time for a more diplomatic meeting known as the Field of the Cloth of Gold. But the relationship between the Percys and Henry VIII deteriorated, and not just due to the Sixth Earl's possible romantic relationship with Anne Boleyn. During the 1536 Pilgrimage of Grace, a rebellion against Henry's dissolution of monasteries, the Earl's brother, Sir Ingelram Percy, summoned the gentlemen of Northumberland to Annick Castle and made them swear to the Articles of the Rebellion. It ultimately failed, and when the sixth Earl died not long afterwards, his lands went into royal ownership. They were restored to the family by Henry's daughter, Queen Mary I, but by the time her sister took the throne as Elizabeth I, Annick Castle was no longer the strong border fortress it had been. Various repairs were needed, and when the seventh Earl of Northumberland was asked to receive and entertain Mary Queen of Scots at Annick on her way to meet Elizabeth in England, he asked for money, complaining that the castle was not in good enough condition in its current state, being utterly unfurnished with not so much as one bed or any part of household stuff. 
the meeting of the queens never took place, so he probably didn't get that money. When the Earl rebelled against Elizabeth in the late 1560s, he was defeated and fled to Scotland. Sir John Forster was given possession of Annick Castle and was one of the people who escorted the Earl from Annick as he was returned to England and taken to his execution at York in 1572. Queen Elizabeth personally signed his death warrant, which is still on display at Annick Castle today. His successor, the 8th Earl, was confined to the Tower of London by Elizabeth I on multiple occasions, suspected of plotting against her until he was found dead in his cell. The 9th Earl of Northumberland's constable of Annick Castle, Thomas Percy, was a rebel too, part of the gunpowder plot to kill King James VI and I in 1605. The plot was foiled and Thomas was killed. The 9th Earl was sent to the Tower of London, though he was eventually released, and the King ordered the Earl's northern castles, including Annick, to be seized and searched as a result. Following the civil wars of the mid-17th century, the relationship between the Percy family, Annick Castle and the monarchy became friendlier. Queen Anne, who reigned at the beginning of the 18th century, was close friends with Elizabeth, daughter of the 11th Earl of Northumberland. And in 1766, King George III elevated Elizabeth's granddaughter, also Elizabeth, and her husband Hugh to the Dukedom of Northumberland. In 1810, on the day of George III's Golden Jubilee, it was reported that many people gathered at the corner of Bailiff Gate in Annick and at the Castle Gates to hear a salute fired by the Percy Artillery from the recently built Castle Gun Terrace. The two largest guns on the terrace today date from around 20 years later and have the cipher of George's son, King William IV. Victoria, reigned 1837 to 1901. Charlotte Percy, 3rd Duchess of Northumberland, was a governess to Victoria before she became Queen. Though they don't appear to have stayed at Annick Castle, Victoria had her own bedroom at Sion House, the Duke and Duchess's home in London. Listen to our previous episode about Sion to hear more on that. When Queen Victoria reached her Golden Jubilee in 1887, Annick Castle marked the occasion in various ways. Salutes were fired on the pastures north of the castle, and a fete was held in the grounds. The programme of events was as follows. 1pm, lunch in the riding school. 2pm, addresses in the guest hall. 3pm to 6pm, Annick Castle, the gardens and parks will be open. Followed by a cricket match, conjuring, sports and a band. Since the early 20th century, the castle has hosted various official visits from reigning monarchs and other members of the royal family. King Edward VII and Queen Alexandra visited in 1906 and 1908. The future Edward VIII visited in the 1920s, and the current queen, Elizabeth II, has visited on multiple occasions. The present Duchess of Northumberland was made Lord Lieutenant of Northumberland by the Queen, and hosted an official royal visit to Annick Castle and the Annick Garden in 2011. The following year, celebrations and concert screenings were held and beacons were lit to mark Elizabeth II's Diamond Jubilee. This episode of the Annick Castle podcast has been released shortly before the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, and similar celebrations will be held by Annick Castle to commemorate this once-in-a-lifetime event. 
Whether it was the kings and queens of England, Scotland or the United Kingdom, Annick Castle's history has been connected to that of the monarchy for hundreds of years. I hope you've enjoyed this very brief look into some of those connections. If there's anything we've mentioned in this episode that you'd like to hear more about, please get in touch and let us know. You can do so on Twitter at Annick Castle or by emailing podcast at annickcastle.com. On the next episode, I'll be joined by Chris Hunwick, the archivist of Annick Castle, to talk about the Annick Castle model, the result of a project that combines centuries-old documents and plans with cutting-edge 3D printing technology. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe and leave us a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, and please recommend us to your friends. Thank you for joining us, Jenny. You're welcome. I've been Daniel, and thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.